How did you happen to get in here? I ran here. You scared the daylights out of me last night. Seems like the truth shouldn't scare anybody, man or boy. Hello everyone and welcome to When It Was Cool Dark. I'm your host Carl Stern. Thanks a lot for joining me. This show is produced and distributed by WhenItWasCool.com. Hope you will check out our website. We cover retro pop culture and much more. When It Was Cool Dark is just one of our many shows on our podcasting network. I hope you'll check it out. As a matter of fact, go to any of your uh, podcast apps where you download and listen to your podcast, wherever you may get them. And uh, type in the words, when it was cool, you'll see our three shows, our three primary free shows, when it was cool dark, when it was cool retro pop culture, and when it was cool wrestling. And I hope you will subscribe to all three of those shows and uh, become part of our family. And uh, then if you like what we're doing, we hope you will support us on Patreon. We have both articles and podcasts, plenty at our website, whenitwascool.com. Check it out. In today's show, we are continuing our series. We're well into the series now. Uh, we're only uh, well, we're less than a fourth of the way, uh, like less than a fourth being finished, of our 100 Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History. And uh, this week, we're going to look at... Uh, something that was uh, really in the popular culture in 1991. Uh, we're going to talk, take a look at music is going to be our genre of popular culture and a tragedy that befell the uh, legendary guitarist, singer, uh, band member Eric Clapton and uh, the death of someone's child. I mean, that is a, uh, has to be one of the most devastating things, uh, thankfully. Uh, I've never had to experience that and hope never do have to experience it. And I can't imagine anything that would be more uh, horrible. And uh, this very calamity befell the uh, famous singer-songwriter back in 1991. And it produced uh, one of his most famous songs from uh, dealing with the tragedy. Today we're going to talk about Tears in Heaven, a uh, song written by Eric Clapton and what that was about, the uh, tragic death, accidental death of his son, uh, Connor. And uh, look, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Eric Clapton fan in the world. Eric Clapton's a kind of a divisive person. He has some uh, views that are uh, kind of difficult to digest, let's just put it mildly. And uh, I've always thought Eric Clapton was... You know, not to step on any Eric Clapton fan toes, but I've always found him extraordinarily overrated and uh, not necessarily to my liking. But nevertheless, he's a he's a huge star. Um, you know, very influential to to be sure. And uh, one of the more um, you know from that time from that whole British uh, pop scene, pop rock scene. Uh, so much of, of American, uh, later American rock and roll and popular music was influenced by that. And Eric Clapton, uh, obviously, uh, one of the more influential 
people there from you know his early days with Cream all the way up through his solo career. And uh, strangely enough, I, I we do a lot. Of, we go seek a lot, lots and lots of concerts with uh, uh, to cover them for when it was cool dot com. I mean, we've seen goodness uh, every major uh, classic rock actor there is out there. But one person I've never seen. Although I almost did was Eric Clapton. And uh, back in the late 1980s, I uh, actually this would be early 1990s, uh, I was uh, about to go see Eric Clapton in concert in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And he was his opening act was Stevie Ray Vaughan. And so this sounded like a pretty good uh, ticket. And I was very excited about going. And it was en route to that concert where Stevie Ray Vaughan was killed in a, uh, I believe it was a helicopter crash, if I remember correctly. So I never got to see Eric Clapton. Uh, and then over the years, kind of, you know, my, my opinions about Eric Clapton have changed uh, based on some of the stuff he's he said and, and done in the past. And I don't know what his present, you know, mindset is or whatever, but uh, regardless, this is a, a horrendous tragedy that befell him back in 1991. The Associated Press, on March 21st, 1991, published this article. Dateline, New York. The death of his four-and-a-half-year-old son in a 49-floor plunge from a Manhattan apartment is the latest tragedy endured by Eric Clapton, the brilliant guitarist who has played and lived the blues. Connor Clapton died Wednesday in the accidental fall from the 53rd floor window of the Galleria condominium on East 57th Street, police said. A housekeeper had left a window open to air out the room when Connor, Eric Clapton's only child, ran past him and fell onto the roof of an adjoining four-story building, police said. Connor's mother, Italian TV actress Lori Del Santo, was at, in the apartment at the time of the accident. The grief-stricken Clapton, at the time aged 46, was treated and released at Lenox Hill Hospital. Funeral arrangements were incomplete. A spokesman for Clapton said he was not sure when the guitarist or Del Santo uh, were stay where they were staying on Thursday. On Tuesday night, Connor went to the circus with his parents. They looked like a normal family out having a good time, said Neil Sulks, manager of the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale. He was the most huggable little boy. British rock star Phil Collins said his wife Jill and their two-year-old daughter Lily spent Christmas with Clapton, Connor, and his mother. Connor was growing into such a little gentleman, Phil Collins said. Eric Clapton, like many of the great blues guitarists he admired, has survived some tough times, drug and alcohol problems, the deaths of several bandmates, a troubled relationship with a friend's wife. The blues were no stranger to Eric Clapton. I never thought I'd be playing or even alive at this time, Clapton said in a 1989 interview. There were times I could have blown my brains out and nearly did. It's a miracle to me that I survived. Clapton's previous brush with death came in August when his friend Stevie Ray Vaughan died in a helicopter crash minutes after the two guitarists performed together in Wisconsin. 
Clapton's bodyguard and booking agent were also killed in the crash. Clapton had taken another helicopter. Singer Keith Relf, who played with Clapton in the Yardbirds, was electrocuted by a guitar in West London in 1976. Two members of Derek and the Dominoes, the band founded by Clapton, died young. Guitarist Dwayne Allman, 24, killed in a motorcycle crash in 1971. And bassist Carl Rattle, 37, who died in 1980 of a chronic kidney ailment. A third bandmate, drummer Jim Gordon, was institutionalized. The breakup of Derek and the Dominoes after a single album left Clapton traumatized and contributed to his heroin addiction. Clapton's personal life has been fraught with problems. During the early 1970s, Clapton struggled with heroin, forced him out of the music scene. Electro-acupuncture treatments enabled him to kick the habit, and he returned with a triumphant concert at London's Rainbow Theatre in January 1973. But he was still troubled by drug abuse and alcoholism until 1987 when he dried out. The guitarist has openly discussed his ongoing recovery from those problems. Even Eric Clapton's arguably greatest work, Layla, recorded with Derek and the Dominoes, was fueled by his passion for Patty Boyd, the wife of his good friend and ex-Beatle, George Harrison. Being Derek was a cover for the fact I was trying to steal someone else's wife, Clapton says in the liner notes to his Crossroads collection. Derek was Eric and Layla was Patty. Clapton finally married Patty, uh, in 1979 after she split with George Harrison, but the couple was unable to have children. They were divorced in 1988, two years after Eric Clapton had his son with Del Santo. Yes, he was uh, cheating on her with uh, this uh, Del Santo when uh, he fathered the son, Connor, who was killed here in this tragic accident. Well, all of Eric Clapton's bad decisions aside, this young boy was a was an innocent young child and uh, certainly not responsible for any of his father's sins. And uh, just this, I mean, to fall out a window in an apartment, this this is just every parent's worst nightmare. I mean, it, it doesn't get much more heart-wrenching than that. Um, the uh, biography.com says Eric Clapton, the unthinkable tragedy that inspired tears in heaven. After Eric Clapton's four-year-old son accidentally fell out of a window to his death, the musician turned his grief into the heart-wrenching ballad. And this article was written on bi- for Biography.com uh, in 2020. Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? Asked Lyrics to Tears in Heaven, the emotionally wrought hit song by guitar idol Eric Clapton. Released in 1991, it charted in the top 10 in more than 20 countries and won Grammys for Song of the Year, Album of the Year, the Unplugged Album, and the Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Though it achieved incredible international status, the creation of the song, like many adored ballads and lamentations, uh, were, was heavily influenced by the emotional state of its creator. For Eric Clapton, it arose out of the pain following the accidental death of his four-year-old son, Connor, and it is infused uh, with all the loss, heartache, and longing of a grieving parent. 
Eric Clapton's son with his ex-girlfriend, Italian actress Lori Del Santo, was playing in the New York City apartment when he shared with his mother on the morning of March 20th, 1991. Connor accidentally fell to his death from the 53rd floor residence to a window that had been inadvertently left open following janitorial work in the apartment. Clapton was staying in a hotel nearby and was preparing to pick up Connor for a planned father and son lunch and to visit Central Park Zoo. The first I knew was a telephone call from the apartment, Clapton recalled in a 1992 interview with British journalist Sue Lawley. I was actually getting ready to go out of the hotel room to go pick him up for lunch. Lori was on the other end of the phone. She was hysterical, saying he was dead. And I could not let myself believe it. Clapton said he went cold and shut down right away after hearing the news. In a state of disbelief, the Layla singer remembers rushing from his hotel to the apartment block where he saw ambulances and fire engines and paramedic vehicles outside. Upon entering the apartment, then filled with emergency service responders, Clapton recalls feeling like the scene had nothing to do with him. I felt like I had walked into someone else's life, Clapton told Lolly in measured tones, and I still feel like that. Connor's funeral was held two days prior to the performer's 46th birthday. Eric Clapton described his bond with Connor as the closest relationship he had had up to that point in his life. He credits his son as being one of the main reasons he became and remains sober. By the late 1970s, the cocaine singer had already kicked his heroin habit but was heavily consuming other drugs, including cocaine and alcohol. It was Connor's 1986 birth that provided Clapton with the impetus to get clean and to stay that way. I really did it for Connor because I thought no matter what kind of human being I was, I couldn't stand being around him like that, Clapton writes in his 2007 memoir, Clapton, the Autobiography. I couldn't bear the idea that, as he explained, experienced enough of life to form a picture of me, it would be a, the picture of the man I was then. Only three years sober when Connor died, Clapton says the tragedy gave him strength to fully commit to his sobriety instead of relapsing. Dealing with deep grief, he spent much of the months immediately following his son's death alone, shuttling between England and Antigua, where he attended sobriety meetings and sought solace in his guitar and creating music. Two songs written in this period drew direct inspiration from what had happened in his life. Circus Left Town tells the story of attending a circus with Connor the night prior to his death. Tears in Heaven is even more powerfully personal and asks the question of whether we will meet again with those who have passed before us. Both were originally never meant for public consumption, but Clapton was encouraged to add the latter track, co-written with Will Jennings, to the soundtrack he was working on for the movie Rush. Clapton also included Tears in Heaven as part of his 1992 MTV Unplugged set, which was subsequently released as a live album. Though it was created out of the devastating loss of his child, the song became an international hit and Eric Clapton's best-selling single in the United States. The tragedy also led Clapton to want to play a larger role in his daughter's life. 
Ruth Kelly Clapton was born a year prior to Connor and is Clapton's only child with Avon Kelly, a recording studio manager from Montserrat. Kelly's offer of becoming better acquainted with his daughter in the period following Connor's death was accepted, and over numerous visitations they established a rapport. It was great to be in the company of a child again, my child, Clapton writes in his memoir. Looking back on those years, I realized what a profound effect uh, she had on my well-being, recalls Clapton. Her presence in my life was absolutely vital to my recovery. In her, I'd found, again, something real to be concerned about, and that was instrumental in my becoming an active human being again. So the uh, biography.com article uh, contradicts that being his only child at the time, and may, perhaps he might not have even known about this daughter uh, till till afterwards. I'm not sure. We don't yet know that part of the story, but an incredibly tragic story. I mean, this is absolutely heart-wrenching. The song was a was a uh, massively successful hit. I mean, in that uh, MTV Unplugged performance is uh, probably when most people think back to uh, you know maybe younger younger people not f- familiar with Eric Clapton's like groundbreaking work with you know Derek and the Dominoes and and all that is uh, solo stuff whatever uh, probably m- made most remember him from this is a very iconic performance and and uh, got a lot of play in popular culture at the time, uh, certainly framed around this uh, very heart-wrenching, uh, terrible story about the death of his uh, son. The uh, ultimateclassicrock.com was a great website that, that covers a lot of classic rock stuff wrote that in a heartbreaking, tragic tragic accident, Clapton's four-and-a-half-year-old son, Connor, fell out of an open window in the in the high-rise. He was living in, in the New York condominium with his mother, actress, and Italian television personality, uh, Laurie Del Santo. Although New York law requires window guards be in apartment buildings, according to Snopes, a 1984 ruling exempted condos, leaving building owners to decide whether or not to have safety devices installed. And that was one of the things I had myself wondering why there weren't. It seems like that would be you know, something that would have some sort of code preventing tragedies just like this. But I guess there was some, and doesn't that just sound about right? Uh, you know, condominiums weren't required because, you know, who lives in condominiums in New York City? Well, probably very rich people who probably, uh, you know, influence the laws and influence the people that make the laws. And therefore, they didn't want this and got excluded from it. And uh, that's, uh, isn't that the way the world turns? The uh, New York Times reported that Connor's accident happened during a visit uh, from the housekeeper who had opened the 6x4 window in order to clean it when Connor wasn't in the room and was unable to prevent the boy from darting past before it was shut. So this was a large window, 6 foot by 4 foot window. Eric Clapton, who didn't live with Del Santo and Connor, happened to be in New York at the time. In fact, the night before the tragedy struck, as we discussed earlier, he had taken Connor to the circus for an outing later memorialized in the song Circus. As he later told Ed Bradley during a 1999 interview with 60 Minutes, wanting to be a good father to his son was ultimately what, uh, again, uh, prompted Eric Clapton to get sober. When he was born, I was drinking, and he was really the chief reason I went back into treatment because I really did love this boy, he recalled. I thought, I know he's a little baby, but he can see what I'm doing, and I'm tired of this.
when we come back after a mid-show break. Uh, we'll look at more of the details about this, plus the song Tears in Heaven and its impact in popular culture uh, right here at When It Was Cool Dark from WhenItWasCool.com. Excuse me, please. Let's don't talk negatively. Speaking of winners, surprise, surprise, WhenItWasCool.com is your home for retro pop culture articles and podcasts. To all our patron supporters, this is for you, Fannie Mae. Solid gold just like you and me. Family-friendly and fun. WhenItWasCool.com Welcome back, and I want to, uh, again, personally invite you to check out our website, WhenItWasCool.com. Uh, look, we got a lot of great retro pop culture stuff over there. Not only do we talk about things like this, music, classic rock, but we also talk about retro TV, retro movies. We've been uh, lo- looking here recently at the Rocky movies. We, of course, do pro wrestling history and uh, recently released a major article. You may have seen this cited in different places, the 201 Greatest Pro Wrestlers of All Time. This is an aggregated list, a uh, cumulative list. Basically, if you ask 30 different sources, these being reputable magazines, books, uh, historians, who the greatest wrestlers of all time are. I took their list and averaged them all together and come up with a list of 201 of the greatest of all time. And embedded in this list, along with a little short biography of each, I have a a podcast uh, talking about their life and career that you can listen to and download for free. So I hope you'll check us out over at whenitwascool.com and maybe ultimately you'll think, hey, this is so interesting. I would like to dive even deeper and become a Patreon supporter. Uh, Hit any of those Patreon buttons and you'll get instant access to over 2,000 podcasts dealing with retro pop culture, history, and much, much more. So we're continuing our discussion about the death of Connor Clapton, the son of Eric Clapton, uh, who just uh, around four years old fell out of a high-rise window to his death back in 1991 that inspired the song Tears in Heaven. And we're looking at an ultimateclassicrock.com article Uh, In a 2005 interview with Mojo, Eric Clapton said, Connor's death threw me into a wobble, and in the immediate aftermath of the accident, he coped by throwing himself into his work, most notably by contributing a trio of new songs to the soundtrack of the 1991 movie Rush, including the song Tears in Heaven. Uh, It became the Grammy-winning hit, inspired by the immense grief of his loss. It asked a very pertinent question, Clapton later told Mojo, because I don't really know. I have a belief in a higher power, but I don't really know whether most of these old religious things say, see you over there, and you think, really, how do you know? And the song asked that question, and I'm always wondering whether we meet people again. I think what works about that song is that it's a question. It doesn't offend anyone. It's asking for help. It works for people. It's a great way to communicate, asking for help. Help, but not a cure for sadness. As Clapton explained in a 2005 interview, I think it won't make sense to me for maybe another 10 years. You know, when you can look back and say, oh, that's why I did that. Someone once pointed out to me that the time I began taking heroin really heavily coincided with the death of my grandfather. Back then, I didn't equate the two at all. The same could be said about the death of my son in 1991 and me getting into the weirdest relationships for the rest of the 1990s before I met my present wife. I never saw a connection until recently. I was lost again, looking for something, probably for mothering. Now I can see. Yeah, you really didn't do very well coming out of that, although I was able to express it musically. 
and uh, that's where a lot of times we've we've discussed on this uh, series before uh, so much art, uh, good art, great art, uh, profound art, be it music or uh, paintings or mo- movies, whatever. Good art comes often from a place of, place of pain, uh, a place of suffering, not knowing what to do with that. I'm sure everybody listening to this has gone through some sort of trauma in their life, some more significant than others, but we've all dealt with things, even if it's just uh, relationship-wise or uh, the, the death of you know things that are to be expected, like the death of a grandparent or the death of a, a parent or something like that. And then there are those that are a little less frequent and not as expected the death of a child something like that and, and uh, some sort of a death of a spouse even uh, how do you process that what do you do with that the, there's uh, the things don't seem to compute and oftentimes people do get lost they get lost in a, a spiral of bad decisions um, uh, just coping mechanisms. Uh, sometimes that even leads to alcohol and, and drug use and abuse. Sometimes it leads to uh, you know uh, losing jobs. It leads to uh, but just bad decisions in life by not do, knowing what you're doing with yourself. And sometimes art comes out of it. Sometimes uh, the really talented among us can put into words or pictures or ideas. Uh, the things that help then not just themselves cope, but everyone uh, cope with tragedy, sadness, and loss. The song Tears in Heaven was uh, written by Eric Clapton along with Will Jennings. Uh, so as he has a co-writing uh, credit on here. Will Jennings is best known for Tears in Heaven and My Heart Will Go On, uh, the, uh, the uh, song from the... Famously, the Titanic soundtrack, I believe. It was written about the death of uh, Eric Clapton's four-year-old son, Connor, and it appeared on the 1991 Rush film soundtrack. In January 1992, Eric Clapton famously performed the song in front of an audience at Bray Studio in Berkshire, England, for MTV Unplugged, with the recording appearing on his Unplugged album. The song was Eric Clapton's best-selling single in the United States and reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100, in the United Kingdom, where Eric Clapton is from, it reached number five on the UK singles chart and also charted in the top ten in more than 20 countries around the world. It won three Grammy Awards for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, Song of the Year, and Record of the Year. So that's the trio of the biggest awards the Grammys hand out. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Tears in Heaven the 362nd song on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. As we've mentioned, on March the 20th, 1991, Eric Clapton's four-year-old son, Connor, died after falling from the 53rd floor window of a New York City apartment belonging to a friend of Connor's mother, uh, Lori Del Santo. After isolating himself for a period, Clapton began working again, writing music for the film Rush. He dealt with the grief of his son's death by co-writing Tears in Heaven, Will Jennings said, Eric Clapton said to me, I want to write a song about my boy. Eric had the first verse of the song written, which to me is still all the song. But he wanted me to write the rest of the verse lines and the release. Time can bring you down. Time can bend your knees. 
Even though I told him it was so personal that he should write everything himself, he told me that he had admired the work I did with Steve Winwood, and finally there was nothing else but to do but what he requested, despite the sensitivity of the subject. This is a song so personal and so sad that it is a unique experience in my life of writing songs. In a 1992 interview, Eric Clapton said of the song, It was in the back of my head, but it really didn't have a reason for being until I was scoring this movie. Then it sort of had a reason to be. And it's a little uh, ambiguous because it could be taken to be about Connor, but it also is meant to be part of the film. In an interview with Daphne Barrink, he said, I almost subconsciously used music for myself as a healing agent, and lo and behold, it worked. I've got a great deal of happiness and a great deal of healing from music. Shortly after the single was released, uh, Eric Clapton recorded the song in front of an audience at Bray Studio Berkshire in England as part of the set for the MTV Unplugged uh, series. The uh, album topped numerous charts, including in the U.S., Japan, and Australia. It reached number two in the U.K. and was nominated for nine Grammy Awards the year it was released. Tears in Heaven is Eric Clapton's best-selling single in the United States, with more than 2,800,000 copies sold, both physical and digital. It remains one of the best-selling pop songs of the 1990s, and one of the best-selling singles released by any non-American artist. The reprised records single reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, where it charted for 26 weeks. It was kept from the number one spot by Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. It is also Eric Clapton's highest charting single on the top or the Hot 100 after I Shot the Sheriff, which is Clapton's only uh, Hot 100 number one single to date. While charting on America's most important single chart, Eric Clapton received several sales several sales awards by the Billboard magazine, including Hot Shot Debut and a Power Pick sales certificate. After the physical single's release was certified by a gold disc uh, by the uh, RIAA on March 18, 1992, the single was still selling about 150,000 copies every week. On April 15, 1992, Tears in Heaven was certified platinum for sales of more than a million copies in the United States. It topped the uh, top single sales charts uh, compiled by Billboard magazine in 1992. The release also topped Billboard magazine's adult contemporary chart, on which Tears in Heaven charted for a total of 30 weeks and also became a number one single on the top 100 cash box charts. By the end of 1992, Tears in Heaven had sold more than 2,300,000 copies in the United States alone. The pop single also received a lot of airplay, charting 20 weeks on the top radio songs chart, peaking at number 3 and reaching position 9 on the mainstream rock chart, where Tears in Heaven stayed for 18 total weeks. In Canada, the reprise record singles topped all of the three pop singles charts in the country and is therefore Eric Clapton's most successful singles in Canada also to date. The song reached the number one top position on both the Canadian Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks and the Top 100 Singles Chart, compiled by the RPM magazine. So the song was hugely successful and, and likewise did tremendously well overseas in a number of different uh, countries, including Australia as well, where it's uh, also one of Eric Clapton's uh, best-selling uh, singles. Eric Clapton made numerous public service announcements to raise awareness for child-proofing windows and staircases. 
Eric Clapton stopped performing Tears in Heaven in 2004, as well as the song My Father's Eyes, stating, quote, I didn't feel the loss anymore, which is so much a part of performing those songs. I really have to connect with the feelings that were there when I wrote them. They're kind of gone, and I really don't want them to come back, particularly. My life is different now. They probably just need a rest, and maybe I'll reintroduce them for a much more detached point of view. Eventually, however, both songs would make it back into Eric Clapton's regular set list, with the latter being performed as recently as 2013 and the former in 2022. Genesis wrote and recorded the song Since I Lost You for the 1991 We Can't Dance album. Phil Collins, a longtime friend and collaborator of Eric Clapton, said in interviews the song was inspired by Clapton's loss of Connor, which in the first part of the show we discussed uh, Phil Collins' uh, relationship there and uh, the impact it had on him. Dana Key wrote a song in response to Tears in Heaven and Clapton's loss of Connor titled Dear Mr. Clapton. The song appears on Key's 1995 solo album, Part of the Mystery. And again, the song has, has won uh, numerous awards. The Billboard best-selling soundtrack single in uh, 1992 won that award. Best Male Video from the MTV Video Music Awards in 1992. It won the uh, Best Pop Male Vocal Song in 1993 at the Grammy Awards. And then a string of other awards. Record of the Year, Song of the Year, uh, the BMI Most Performed Pop Song, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Songs That Shape Rock and Roll. It was awarded that in uh, 2004. A uh, tremendously impactful song. Uh, it's also been covered by many other artists. Uh, in January 2005, Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne assembled an all-star cast to collaborate on Tears in Heaven. Sales from the recording benefited Disasters Emergency Committee's Tsunami Earthquake Appeal and the Tsunami Victims in Southeast Asia. The lineup for that included Gwen Stefani, Mary J. Blige, Pink, Slash, Duff McKagan, Stephen Tyler, Elton John, Phil Collins... Ringo Starr, uh, and a number of other uh, more contemporary artists. Rod Stewart also involved in there, Ozzy Osbourne as well. So the song, as you can see, has definitely had a pop culture impact and an impact in, um, you know, the certainly probably to date the most uh, personally impactful thing that happened uh, uh, maybe to Eric Clapton. And again, you know, I am... Uh, Eric Clapton is somewhat of a divisive fellow. Some sort of some, he's made not the best decisions in the world, but he's one of the most successful rock and pop artists that there's ever been, and uh, you can't take that away from him. Certainly, heavily, uh, heavily influential. With um, you know, he's laid down quite quite the body of work, and and many of his songs have have a significant pop culture. Uh, relevance. He's also, you know, I guess you could say he's an inspiration for uh, recovering uh, drug and alcohol addicts, as he himself has been a very uh, vocal, uh, very vocal about his drug use and stuff. And at the present time, as we are the uh, uh, discussing this, he's seventy-seven years old here in twenty twenty-three. He'll turn seventy-eight in March of this year, and I haven't really heard a lot about. Eric Clapton in a, in a little while. I don't. If he's put out any uh, new music lately, I'm not that much aware of it. I think he has um, 
without his discography just sitting in front of me. I think the last thing I think he did was like a Christmas album back in in 2018. So it's it's been a few years since he's uh, really made any sort of pop culture impact. But at near nearing 80 years old, it's uh, kind of exactly what you would expect. So a very powerful song uh, to be sure. I, I think it along with. Um, you know, when I think about Tears in Heaven, you think about some of the other emotionally impactful, uh, lyrically, very, uh, very, you know, emotionally laden songs. Things like Candle in the Wind, uh, Elton John's song, uh, Sound of Silence by Simon Garfunkel, Hurt. Uh, was written by Trent Reznor and performed by Johnny Cash. That's one of my personal favorite songs of all time and i would say tears in heaven is probably right up there with them in terms of its overall uh impact uh emotional impact certainly not a happy song but definitely uh, one that i'm sure a lot of people have used to help them work through their own personal grief and struggles so uh thank you for listening to the show i'm, I'm again this is I, I hesitate to say i hope you've enjoyed it because it's a very sad topic and certainly one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history the death of a uh, famous uh musician's son that inspired a uh, very uh, powerful song and a very well-known song certainly impactful in popular culture and uh, if you enjoy talking about popular culture, again, let me invite you to whenitwascool.com. Hope you will come over there. We've got a lot of great stuff uh, going on here lately. We put up several uh, new articles just recently. And again, our podcasting network, I hope you will uh, participate in that. Go to any pop- podcast uh, aggregator, wherever you get your podcast from. Type in the words, when it was cool. And you'll see our three primary free shows, When It Was Cool Dark, which is this show, When It Was Cool Retro, and When It Was Cool Wrestling. And I hope you will subscribe to all three. So check those out. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Carl Stern. This has been When It Was Cool Dark. We'll be back next week to examine another of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history. And until then, hope you have a great week. When It Was Cool is your home for retro pop culture fun. We feature hundreds of podcasts on classic TV shows, movies, retro sports, toys, history, music, wrestling, and more. Tons of free podcasts. And hit any Patreon button for a deeper dive into our premium shows. Whenitwascool.com. Fun and friendly.